Welcome tonight, it's Pastor Kevin. Uh, it's good to see you. Uh, we've got a, a good night in front of us of uh, walking with Christ and learning from His Word and learning about more what's going on inside of us uh, as we walk with the Lord and as He makes Himself real to us in the salvation process of our soul. And we are in the midst of finding the pleasure of God and God finding pleasure in us by working out in us those things that still need to be saved because we've been saved. It's an amazing concept. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, you'll see that the main function of organized religion is to protect you against a real encounter with God. And yet, a real encounter with God is what will save you. So, we don't have a form that denies power. We don't have traditions that replace reality. And we don't have rituals uh, that keep you from the presence of God. But rather, we seek and invoke the power of Jesus Christ so that you can have a deeper, stronger walk with God. We have several uh, that need our, our prayers tonight and as we shove away the religious idea, which is man's attempt to be right with God, I accept God's salvation that came from heaven in the person of Jesus Christ. I don't think there's any religion good enough to replace what Jesus has provided uh, in Himself when the Word was made flesh and the ideals of God came to us as Emmanuel, God with us, in, yes, we say it, bodily form. There was Christ taking upon part of what we are, but bringing back to us what we originally were. He did not come in the blood of men, did not have the dead blood of humanity, or the failed blood of the first man, Adam, he returned to us with the very blood and life of God. He took upon Himself our bone and our flesh, but the blood was the blood of the Father, the essence of the living God, to return us to our original state, our original awareness, to return to the now where things past, things present, and even future things cannot stop the eternity that's grabbed a hold of us. You see, we're apprehended tonight. We're apprehended of Christ Jesus. We're apprehended uh, by the Spirit of God. And we are once again, in the beginning we were His. And now God, through the act of strong redemption, has brought us back to Him again. We are His again. We are God's again. God's as God the Father ownership. <laughs> Calm down. Calm down. Ooh, somebody heard that. Well, he said we were God's. Well, Jesus said the same thing, but I, that's not what I meant. We belong to God again, and thus we have the term in quantification, we are born again. We are born again in spirit, that we would have the spirit that would deal with us and walk with us and adjudicate us as an advocate in real time as we give an account of the deeds done in the body while we're living. 
not in some other age or some other generation, but right here, right now, walking with God. And we want to look at tonight the first three kings that produced one new man. What was Saul, what was David, and what was Solomon? It took three of them to produce one man. And that one man, that one idea should have given birth to a fourth generation. And we know that Rehoboam failed. But we'll get into that in a minute. We do have several prayer requests. Our good friend Butch Walters has come down with a cold and on top of everything else, a case of shingles. He's already been through the dreadful time of COVID. He is uh, on schedule with Duke University for a lung transplant. Now he has a cold and shingles on top of that. And he and Sherry need our prayers as we continue to pray for many others. Uh, A.J. Presley, uh, Michelle, and Aaron need a miracle of the health care system to make a way to rehabilitate their son. To open the door and provide until Medicaid and Medicare can come through and her son can be rehabilitated back to the strength and the reality and the consciousness of wellness. So we carry that burden as well tonight. Also, Rick Eckers continues to navigate through uh, the waters of chemotherapy and introducing a literal poison and death to his body to eat out the uh, affected cells that are uh, trying to kill him through cancer. And we continue to pray for Rick and Kelly and their family that God raises him up. I don't know if you've walked through that valley before, but I've been there. I've seen the valley of the shadow of death. And in my fears, as I face my fears, and as that tribulation did not avoid me, it came right to me. I found the promise of God that God would be there with me in the valley of the shadow of death. You see, we have such wrong thinking that God's going to keep us from the chaos, the trouble, the tribulation, the sickness. No, He promised to be with us. Because as long as man sins and lives in iniquity and chooses his own path, this world is a chaotic and a very risky place. I can't stop the crying, and neither will God. But He will be there to help you dry the tears. And He will take a look at you when you're meek and contrite, in tribulations all around, fears within, fears without, when you're looking at necessities and distresses, struggles and weaknesses, infirmities. You begin to glory in God. Because when we are weak, God proves to be our strength time and time again. How could I have gone on? How could I have made it another stay? How could I have made it another day? Except God had placed my feet on a solid rock. In the bottomless pit of my soul forever falling, I needed a foundation, a sure foundation. Because everything else is unsure. You see, we live in a world where things can be shaken as of things that are made. 
and many of the man-made platforms and plateaus, many things that man foolishly honors himself with, all the wisdom of man, foolishness with God. Get your degree from Duke or Harvard or Yale or Princeton, Brown University, Berkeley, Stanford. All that wisdom of man is just sheer foolishness with God. I don't, I'm not the most scholarly person you'll ever meet, but I've met the one author and finisher that can help me live every single day of my life every single moment, in every single situation that I must face. It gives me the strength and the confidence to look into the darkest area of my life, and that dark area is my soul. And your greatest fear is the next place that God wants to bring light. Your greatest fear that you have within you after you got saved the reoccurring failure, the thing that has not yet gone away, that still lurks around on the inside of you. It remains there for a very important reason. God wants to teach you the power to overcome. God wants to give you the confidence to make a voluntary choice to look into the darkness of your life, look into the darkness and failure of your soul, and then you and He, taking your spirit, which is the candle of the Lord, you all both voluntarily go look into the face of whatever it is that hinders you, whatever it is that reoccurs, whatever lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life, haughtiness, who knows whatever sin, iniquity, guile, or lies continue to resurface and bubble up in the soul of your expression. We're going to see tonight from scriptures, if you will not acknowledge and look at and become aware from prayer, and this is what prayer does. Prayer makes you take a vivid look at the darkness inside of you. Instead of using prayer to send God around your community, your street and your neighborhood, to fix this one and fix that one and change this one and change that one. God says, well, I do want to change them. But the best way I know to change them is to change you. And to deliver you. And to show them that if I could do it in you, they could see, comprehend the same afflictions that they're facing within, accomplished because He sends out His Word and it always performs in the place where He sends it, accomplishing victory in virtue, which becomes the evidence of a born-again life. Through the substance of faith, He allows us into this grace wherein we stand and now we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now we can showcase those things that were dead in us those things that were murdered in us, those things that hurt, uh, hurt us, those things that seem to be dead and buried, they're resurrected and they're back to life. And God can return whatever hiding sin inside of your temple can turn into the utility and the revelation and the support of new life. See, truly, in Him was the light of life. 
And He was the light of all men. And I want to say tonight, if you'll go in prayer and look in the darkness, and look long enough, the thing that makes you most afraid, the thing that you've sought to hide the most, will look right back at you. And then you and Jesus can have that moment of illumination and light can shine into that darkness. And I promise you tonight, the darkness will not overpower it. You can be delivered through the double portion of the new birth, the Spirit of God, and the power of the Holy Ghost. Paul said it like this, that God's not given us a spirit of timidity. We don't have to walk around and tiptoe around life hoping that darkness or ill or evil or whatever you label it, whatever the church has, called you, has taught you and educated you to call it. I find that my own worst evils don't come from out here anymore. They come from right in here. My own worst evils, my own largest battles, they come from within. And they come from the belief that I still have to take care of myself. That I'm not really loved and I'm not really wanted. And therefore, if something gets done, I'll take care of it myself. And no matter how much patience, no matter how much I get love, I have to trust the fact that someone is going to love me and do for me. And that's a battle for me. Hello, Brother Danny. I love you. I love you, big fella. I love you. Love your way. Love bomb. Love your way. You and that huff daddy back there. Praise God. So, and love you too, Sister Mobley. I appreciate your agreement. I, I, I got one on my side. If I get these other two bobbing their heads, we'll, we'll, be in a good, we'll be in good shape. We're going the distance. We're going the distance, dear one. Amen. Amen. Speaking to someone. Speaking to someone in that camera. Someone's watching me right now and you really need to hear what I have to say because the Spirit of God said that we should not judge in appearance, but we should judge a righteous judgment. If you're going to go back into some yesterday where you got hurt, where you got defiled, where you got molested, where you got done wrong, you can go back and redeem that time with the one that's not controlled by time. And you and Jesus can make that time right. Can make it right. and He can help you through instead of you thinking that He wasn't there and harboring the belief that He's not there in the time of trouble, that He's not there in the time of need. And if He was, how can He make promises like that and allow things like that to happen to me when I was so tender and I didn't know what I was doing? I've had those same thoughts. I've had those same arguments. I've lived through those same battles in my mind until Jesus said, well, let's go back and take a look at that, Kevin, because I live in the now. I'm not controlled by the past not even the present or the future. Let's go and redeem that time and let's understand what was really happening because I'm going to prove to you greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. And I can be greater than your past. I can be greater than your future. And I also will be greater in your present. Wherever you are, I am the Almighty. I am thy exceeding and great reward.
This is what uh, the Holy Ghost basically revealed to the Father, that Job did not serve God for naught. That he didn't turn to God for nothing. In the same expression that God revealed Himself to Abraham, that He was the self-existing God, the exceeding and great reward. The best thing that could ever happen has already happened to you. Because I'm not alone anymore. I have somebody to journey with me. I have the awareness of God. I've said it for years, and now I begin to realize that the way I termed it, that God took His three-pronged plug of Father, Spirit, and Holy Ghost. Spirit, Word, and Power. And He plugged into me, and I took my heart, my mind, and my soul, and I plugged into God. And it's changed the way my body lives. My behavior and my conduct is new tonight. The Holy Ghost. See, He just he comes gently. He doesn't always have to come in, in a lot of sensation. He can come kindly and gently. He can come lovingly and supportively. Are you maturing in your Holy Ghost? Are you maturing in the power of God? Again, God didn't give you the spirit of fear or, or timidity, but of power, of love. And that's our kingdom because the kingdom of God does not use violence or force. The law and the prophets came. and Now the kingdom of God is preached and the rest of us, we press ourselves into it. Now the kingdom of God is within you, which means you can find within you things that aren't movable, things that aren't made, so the things that can remain will stay in you. And that's called eternity, my friend. Eternity. The eternal one. The more you live in the solitude of the Spirit of God, the more awareness you grow in your sonship. I'm more aware of Kevin, the Son of God, because there is in every one of us another whom that we're just coming to meet. Another whom lives in there, and that is the Son of God part of me. And I haven't always been real attentive or aware of Him, but I'm getting more aware of Him all the time. And I realize uh, that this one Jesus, like He said, now this is what I've realized. In my experiential walk with the Master. You see, I, I give an account to my Master. To my own Master I stand or fall. I am the servant to the Master. I am a disciple to my Lord. I can honestly say that He never really leaves me and He never forsakes me. Which means I don't feel disconnected. And even though I'm living here in time, I, I know that I'm really not controlled by time. Now, time has its effects. I know people will get all physical and natural, and they'll say, well, you know, your hair's gray, what's left of it, and this, that, and the other, and you, you can't run as fast. As you. Yet, physically, I might be slowing down, but spiritually, I'm as strong and alive and as well as I've ever been, and that's the real me. You see, the superficial temporal things are not controlling who I am anymore. The formed judgment. Jesus found Himself in a form at one point, and so have I. His form was that of a servant. And the fashion was His gender, 
and he was found in fashion as a man because God only has two genders, male and female. I'm manifesting as a male, but my eternity comes from God. So that's how I found myself. But even that form is not great enough to determine who I am because creativity is greater than the one who possesses it. The power of creativity is greater than the one who feels like they have the gift. You're you're possessed by creativity because your father is a faithful creator. And he'd like to go to work in an area that's very important for you to establish the kingdom. And how he will do that is by letting you see the kingdom in you. And the kingdom in you is power, love... Unconditional love. People don't always freak out. We, we, we do so many Pentecostal things to impress people and that doesn't impress them. I'll tell you what, give them unconditional love and forgiveness. Learn not to be hurt by the person who's trying to hurt you. Learn not to be rejected by the person that's rejecting you. Learn to just understand that they like people know not what they do As Jesus said, Father, forgive them while they crucified Him on the cross because He laid His life down as a sacrifice. People tell me today, well, we're praying. We're praying. We're praying about going into the wilderness and circling around for 40 years and wasting our time and God's time as if God led them out to the wilderness. That's how crazy things have gotten in the church. God's already shown you what His idea is, and His idea is a body, a ministry, a fellowship, a gathering together that you should not forsake. But people got to pray about this fellowship or that fellowship. And what they're really doing is taking their journey in the wilderness to use the Sabbath day for Sunday fun day. They have no commitment to God, and they don't want to be accountable. So... We use the sophistry and the casuistry of using godly definitions and terms to hide the guile and the deceit of self-will. We say one thing and we live in entirely another way. That's why he said in John, If any man love, let him not love in word and in tongue. When they say it with their words and their tongues, and yet the love doesn't come through, is that any good? No, they're false words. But if you are going to love, do it indeed by your doings, and let it be the reality of who you really are. Do good and withhold not. Cease from your own wisdom. Lean not to your own understanding. I had to admit that my understanding was no good. I had to acknowledge the Lord because I had to see that in me, that is within my flesh, within myself, I had no plan. I was groping around in darkness. And I found in me no good thing because I had no idea, no plan, no understanding. And yet the loving Son of God called me out of darkness. The emergent response of sonship was in there. And when I didn't even know it was in there, and the Spirit of God, the Son of God, Kevin Kello, responded to his Maker. He called me out of darkness, and then he translated me into his dear Son, 
Christ Jesus. Out of darkness into for Teresa and I, for Israel and I, Jacob and I, hey Jacob, marvelous, marvelous, marvelous light. And I know that I need more light. I like to say everything down in my soul is just full of light. I do the best I can to have a single eye because I know that I'm the apple of His eye. I can tell you He's paying attention to me and I want to respond correctly by having my eye single upon Him. But my eye has been caught by other things before. Those of you who have it all down pat that the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, you never get off in any other indulgences. I'm working on mine because... As the Son of God, I'm still Kevin, the ugly, the bad, and on my best days, I'm trying to be good like Christ. And I'm thankful that He hasn't left me or forsaken me in this pleasure that He has to work out in me my own salvation as He works out what's wrong in me and works what's right about Him inside of me. Now that is something that we work on every day. That's where I labor by faith. And I pray that you do today. You see, because God's not going to keep us away from the sicknesses or the diseases, but He said, I'll heal you of the sicknesses and diseases. I haven't been protected when it came to cancer. I haven't avoided heart disease or, or you know, the plague of disease of what my dad carried, and, and uh, apparently, if brothers and sisters, I, I, uh, God just backed up and said, we'll give all the diseases to Kevin. Everyone else gets to go free, but the one lamb that's going to be sacrificed, well, he's got a lot to learn, he's got a lot to overcome, and thanks be unto God that he gave it to me now, because there is no temptation come upon you, but such as is common unto man. And your favor is you have Christ on board with you to deal with the temptation and teach you how to overcome. So thanks be unto God for the infirmities, for the necessities, for the distresses, for the tribulations, for the struggles, for the weakness. Because I have help. God will not suffer me to be tempted above that I am able. I remember the first time that God marvelously, marvelously healed me of kidney stones. I didn't know exactly what was happening. About the precursor of about, I'd say, three weeks. And things were moving around and great pain would hit me and I'd, I'd wind up on the floor throwing up and, and then the pain would subside and it got closer and closer. And I went to church one Sunday morning Believing God. <laughs> On my way to believing God. Oh boy. Uh, Elizabeth, it was the big one. The big one hit. We made it home and nine hours later, writhing in pain, crying, pain that's hard to explain. They say that for a man, only a woman giving birth without sedatives. All I could tell you if I was to explain it is someone take a very big red hot poker, stick it through your back, hit your spine, and then twist it. Twist it. The, the pain was, uh, 
I've broken both legs, both arms. I've had major fractures, and trust me, that hurts. But this, ah. And I remember laying on the bed and I said in tears, Jesus, I've gone as far as I can. I can't take no more. Please help me, Father. Please help me, Lord. And I'd prayed through all my knees and the Holy Ghost, through the pain. The Holy Ghost fell. I still didn't get healed. See, I was on my way. But then a small and a still voice on the inside of the cave of my soul. After all the shaking, earthquaking, people coming by to pray, and I was just, oh God, pain. But a small, still voice. I simply humbly said, I, I, I can't take anymore. I'm, I'm as broken as I can be. Please, God, help the pain stop. And in that moment that I said that very simple prayer from my innermost being, the innermost Kevin, there he is again, that whom, there is, there is in every one of us a whom that we're coming to know and coming to understand. He spoke, he talked to his maker. And in that moment, with my eyes closed, crying in pain, and I know all the other big tough guys never cry. I'm not that big and I'm not that tough. I'm weak and, and I need help. I felt the finger of God come down. And that's the only way I can explain it. The finger of God come down. And whatever happened, something went pop. And it just popped through. I felt it pop through. I don't know what it popped through to. I, I'm not a surgeon. I, I, I can't tell you that. But it was as if I walked to the back of this church and just cut a switch off and the pain stopped. Now there was still soreness from all the other pain that was there. But the source, the red hot poker and the twisting said, nope, stop. And I fell asleep. I fell asleep and woke up the next day and never had a pain since. Now out of concern... My loving wife and my oldest sister took me to the hospital because they knew that hard-head me, believing God, you know, crazy Kevin, believing God, that everyone told him, well, it's going to hit him again, it's going to pass, and until he passes it, uh, it's going to happen again. So they went and they said, oh yeah, you had a big stone, had, 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 you, no, you've got a big stone, it's going to move again. And uh, you're going to need this, these drugs and these things. And I, I remember the guy telling me, instead of telling me I was healed, I said, well, you weren't with me when he came in the bedroom. You're here now in the hospital. And the guy smirked. He laughed at me. He said, well, you, you can talk about God and healing and all that stuff if you want to. But when that stone moves again, you're going to need these prescriptions. And I remember we were standing there in the emergency area and there was a trash can right beside us. And when he said that, he handed that to me with that smirk. And I took those doctors, whatever, I didn't even know what he wrote. I threw them in the trash and I said, I told you Jesus healed me. And he did. Never felt those, never felt that again. Never had a stone again. Never had a problem again. 
But I had to hold on. Holding faith in a pure conscience. Charity, unfeigned, real love. And God worked a miracle for me. My miracle. And that's what He is to you. He's your miracle. He lives in you. And He helps you look inside. You know, because your greatest fear, your next greatest fear, is the next area where God wants to work His biggest miracle. There's a new miracle waiting on you, and it's right there inside of you, and it is a reoccurring problem. What you feared the most, if you had God come down today and say, my daughter, my child, if you had one thing to get fixed, just one thing. Now, He can do many things. I don't mean to put a limit on God because there's nothing impossible with Him. But if I can get you to understand how it works on one thing, that can lead you to many things. But if there was one thing that you'd get rid of today, that after your salvation, you thought for sure this would be gone. You thought for sure that you'd finally put this under your feet. And maybe at times of prayer and fasting and seeking God, you've had long seasons in your life where that just seemed to be over. It's done now. Yet as life lives on and you live on, for some reason it seems to reoccur. Come back up again. Why? Why is this here again? I thought I got over that. I thought I prayed through that. I thought I got delivered. And you did. And you are. And you have. But isn't that the point? And you did. And you are. And you will. Isn't that the life of faith? Overcoming then, overcoming now, and overcoming in the future. See, we like to have it one and done. That's why, again, I say that the major function of organized religion is to protect you against an ongoing encounter or walk with God. They want you to trade in your reality, trade in your your experience for a form and tradition. I know, take communion every fifth Sunday. Well, only if you're worthy. Only if you love the body of Christ. Only if you discerned His body. I'm all for communion if you love the body of Christ. If you care about your brothers and sisters. And you might have more communion going with the brother that loves you down here to eat at Black's Barbecue. Because I had communion with a great, great friend. And we had it over a barbecue and I loved it. I wouldn't have traded it for the world. The friendship was better. You know, they used to entice me with thinking I'd want to do this, I'd want to do that. And I finally learned from my friend, the better part is not where we're going to eat or not if we're going to see a football game or a dirt track race where we come in with red mud all over us. But it's who we get to do it with. And I got to be with my friend. I'm still happy about it. I hope you can tell. Still, still, still loving it. Because I felt loved. And I got to say something I wanted to say to my friend. Because I want him to know I care about him. And I take my friend to prayer. See, because he lives in my heart. He lives in my heart. 
And I don't want people to be hard on themselves. Until we accept what's hiding in the darkness, we will not be free from it. Focusing on something in the light doesn't bring the darkness out. You admitting that it's dark and you bringing it out willingly and voluntarily with Christ. Because you see, condemnation does not liberate, it oppresses. And we take that impressive spirit and then we suppress and try to hide. Because in church we're supposed to be this and we're supposed to be that and we're supposed to be perfect and I'm anything but perfect. I'm anything but I've lived long enough with me. I, I don't know if I had to be honest. I wouldn't stand before my father and say, well, I'm all finished. I'm all done. No work here. Go on the next one. I'm like, no, you start right here. I probably need it the most. I got things I still haven't been able to see or figure out and don't even know why they're gone. Don't even know why they're not gone yet. Because my deliverance is still with me. My deliverer is still with me. And I'm working my life out with him. And he seems to be pleased with me. It's an amazing thing, this unconditional love. Because unconditionally he turns around and says, Well, Kevin, I, I love you even though that's there. I love you and I forgive that in the future. I forgive it in your present. I forgave it in your past. I knew that's part of who you were when I took you on. And I still love you with everlasting love. And I choose to not remember that about you. I forgive it. I wash it. I cleanse it. And that's not in my thought process when I think of you. I wish I could get it out of yours. And see people condemning us. Remember, condemnation does not liberate or set free. It oppresses. Condemnation is not motivation. That's why for those that are in Christ Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who now seek to walk after the Spirit. Doesn't that mean we're already perfect? No, that just means we're working it out. We hope for the perfection. We believe in the perfection and we know that He's at work perfecting that which concerneth us. Flip that around and that means that yours truly needs perfecting. If He is perfecting that which concerneth me, hmm, let's, hmm, let's put that in the calculator one more time. That may mean that I need perfecting. And that's what salvation and the result, the end of our faith, the purpose of the double portion of being born again in the Holy Ghost is the salvation of our soul, the redemption of things that we thought were dead, qualities and virtues that we had and that we were designed with and made for. God continually finds a pleasure in us and now that we are pleasing to God, we go out and we seek to be uh, pleasing to men in a godly way. Now that uh, we have been persuaded by God, we seek to go out as ones, ones that God has found His pleasure in. He finds His pleasure in me. So I want, him, I want people to know that God can find His pleasure in you. And now that God has persuaded me, I try to go out and persuade others. And then I exercise myself to have a conscience which is alive and well. I'm aware now of what I really am and what I'm really not. And that's why it does no good to try to uh, falsely accuse me. 
Because my consciousness, if I didn't do it, I won't admit it. And if I did do it, I won't deny it. But if I didn't do it, I'm sorry, you're going to have to take your boatload of guilt and go somewhere else. You can't pull in this port and bring a bunch of condemnation to me. You can bring a bunch of grace and forgiveness to me. I'll be motivated by that. But herein do I exercise myself to have a consciousness void of offense before God. Because I found that God is pleased with me and I'm very pleased with Him. That God has persuaded me and now I seek to persuade others that He would like to tell. He'd be very pleased to work out your salvation. He's very pleased to be your Savior and your Redeemer. A, a conscience void of offense before God. And by walking with God doesn't mean I can go around, well, I'm right with God so I can offend whoever I want to. No! Being right with God doesn't give you a license to be offensive and manipulative and controlling and ugly and authoritative and autonomous to others. Because of that, I equally want to have no offense towards my fellow man. I, I don't seek offense with people. I don't seek to be at offense with people. And the more I let down my guard the more I see how willing they are to tell me how offended they are with me. And I might be growing in Christ because you can cast on me and project on me and use me as your present scapegoat. And no matter how much you lay on me and project on me what you think is wrong with what I did or said while trying to love you, all I'll do is put life back out for it. More love comes out. More forgiveness comes out more mercy and more grace comes out. You see, that's what it is to be the called of God. Not to be exalted, not to be favored, not to be the one that uh, everyone sees Christ in, but the one that everyone ultimately blames for everything that goes wrong. And then Christ being your sufficiency takes all of the poison they put on you and you put back out life for it. That's what Jesus lived. That's what Paul said twice in 2 Corinthians. The list of all the opposites that occur. I, I really love people and they think that I really hate them and I don't hate them. I want to love them. But that is not as though our sufficiency was of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. You see, I don't have anything that I didn't receive and neither do you. I received what I've got by the grace of God. Because I remember the time when I had zero, nada, Nathan, nothing. I mean, I was such, such darkness. I was wandering around and my mantra, my living of life was nothing matters. Bump here, bump there, bump into this, do this, do that. Doesn't matter, nothing matters. Nothing matters. And then I got saved and found out, oh my God, everything matters. What I think matters. What I say matters. How I love others really matters. I matter to God. What? God would be interested in what I have to say. What I would bring to the table. He found an inheritance in me. I thought I only inherited Him. He opened the eyes of my understanding. God gave me the spirit of understanding because that's what I asked for. I asked, I said, Lord, I don't understand. Help me to understand. Lord, I lack wisdom. 
and I began to seek for it. And because I could admit I lacked it, God began to pour a few things in. You see, how God establishes the kingdom as we occupy is by changing you. If you'll change, others will see that change. And they'll want some of it. They'll see the change. They'll see the evidence of the victories of Christ evidenced by the virtues that have been risen and come back to life, that have come out of your soul and has risen and is now alive and well. And you're doing things you never thought you'd do. I never thought I'd be a pastor. I certainly never thought I'd be a public speaker. No, thank you. Never thought I'd do that. Miss Diane, get in. So I want you to know that God's grace and God's love is how we work things out, is how we go in and we make sense of the suffering, the suffering of the soul finding its meaning, of removing the trash and the blocks and the hurts and the pains that have covered up the real us. See, all we're really doing is showing up in kindness, a good a good minister friend of mine gave me this word picture. I've never forgot it. Kindness is love that shows up with his work clothes on and says, what do we need to clean up? I know you're in there somewhere. Just got a bunch of garbage thrown on top of you. You see, we're hoarders, hoarders of our past hurts and pains. We've hoarded up every reason that everyone has ever hurt us with and it's covered up the real us. But love shows up with its work clothes on in the name of kindness and says, I'm going to help you clear all this mess out because the real you's in there somewhere. It's buried in there. It's not lost. You just hadn't seen it in a while. You thought that hurt or that pain or that distress or that trial or that molestation or people taking advantage of you, you thought that they forever killed it, but they didn't. God, God wants to resurrect it. God wants to move on the face of the deep where you've lost your form and you feel so void. God says, I'm going to make something out of this again. I'm going to be the Redeemer. I know that my Redeemer liveth and I'm going to see Him for myself and not another, Job said, Job 19. And seeing the root of the matter is in me. Your real problem is not out here. The real problem is the hoarding of hurts and pains that you've carried around and you continue to say, well, this is my history. Well, that history can be cleaned up. At the highest level, you can forget those things that are behind and not carry forward those hurts and pains because of redemption. You can redeem the time. And that is an impossibility with men. Well, thank God that man acknowledges that because when they begin to say impossible, you are setting the stage for my God. I feel the Holy Ghost of God. When you begin to tell me what's impossible, my Father is the Creator. Yeah, but you don't know how much they've tried, Brother Kevin. They've tried. This is a hurt place. Well, what you call impossible is entirely possible with God. 
Well, the prayer's failed a thousand times before. What do you want to do? Oh, you know me. I want to pray one more time. Not because I think my prayer is better. Because I think my God is true. And now collectively all the other thousand prayers plus mine. You see, we never really know what breaks the big piece of concrete. You hit it one time, nothing. You hit it another time, nothing. You get a bigger sledgehammer. You hit it again, and you hit it again, and you hit it again, and you hit it again. Nothing, nothing, nothing. You've hit it so many times now, you stop counting. And you keep asking God, you sure you want this to break? And He said, yeah, I want you to break those rocks. I want you to break those rocks in you. I want you to follow my word and break those stony places in your life. I want you to burst that rock. And it's not my word like a mighty hammer that breaks the rocks into pieces. So take the hammer of His word and hit it again. I know it hasn't broken and it hasn't broken in so long you've stopped counting. But crazy me, I think the hammer works. I think the word works. And we hit it, and oh my goodness, what was that? A big crack comes through. We hit it again, and the crack turns into a fissure. And the fissure turns into a split. And the very thing that has been stopping and hindering us is now broken apart, losing its authority. Now what's happened along the way is we've developed spiritual muscles, spiritual faith. We've developed the substance of faith because now faith produces real substance. And it just broke a stone in my life. The word, the hammer, has just broke an old stony place in my field. See, I started out in the good ground, but now we're cleaning up the rest of the field that I have to offer. In the rest of my field, we'll start out in the good ground, but everyone's trying to grow their entire life in just the good ground. And that's not enough to do everything that God can do. Once God shows you He can grow His seed and His nature in the good ground, then we move over to the thorns and the thistles and we begin to, as Isaiah said, Isaiah 26, remove the coming and the thitches because now we see when God plants something, wow, that turns out good. And that little bit of good ground has really motivated me to work on the thorns and the thistles where it's choked the word before, but now I'm motivated because I got a, I got a, I got a harvest. I've got a harvest of milk, hallelujah. And I'm so motivated, God plants such good stuff that I'm willing to work in the other areas of my heart that I have given up on. I was trying to live my entire Christian life on just one-fourth of what my whole heart had to offer. And after I go through the thorns and the thistles because of the good ground of my heart and get that all cleaned up, now I've got another quarter of my heart producing fruit. And now that other place where those stones were, well, we're good and motivated now. We're really going to go in and dig them stones out because they're stopping us from growing. And I, if I have to break them up, into sand and help it irrigate the, the ground and break the uh, rocks into pieces, but then I'll do so because I already know that my father, God, the husband man, 
He wants to plant in there too. So now I'm really motivated to go and work in the soil of my soul. I hope you hear what I'm saying. I don't know what's all in the thorns and the thickets of your past. I don't know what's all in the stony places of your heart. But I do know that this wisdom comes from God. This wisdom comes from above of how we get motivated to clear more ground and to clear more ground. And then we finally learn on the wayside ground where we're always trafficking and impacting the ground. Where we just won't get out of this sin. We finally learn to stay out of that. Stay out of there, cultivate it, dig it up, and it can produce fruit too. There didn't have to be a path worn there where the grass never grows. We found new ways of walking. See, I don't walk like I used to walk. I don't walk where I used to walk. And now you can dig all that up and that can become productive too. Now I walk in the ways of the Lord. I no longer walk with the ungodly or the sinful. I don't sit in the seat of the scornful. I don't stand in the way of the sinner. I don't walk in the way of darkness anymore. To see the Lord, He is a light unto my path and He is a lamp for my feet. And my feet are shod with the preparations of the gospel of peace. You see that one little area where the good seed went in, that's just the beginning, my friend. That's the beginning of the kingdom. God doesn't expect you to take 100% of your good soil and only live in a fourth of your life. He takes that last good soil and that's the motive to deal with the other three quarters that can be cultivated. I wish we'd say amen. If you would turn to Isaiah 26. Look, look, look at the wisdom. Wow, what a revelation. You see this in the soil of the soul? You see this in, in the parable of the soil? and the seed, and the sower, how God takes us into these other areas. How God motivates us from that good soil. Let me love Brother Kello. I just gave a revelation. I hope you heard it. And it's in the area of soul. I'm going to read it to you out of the Bible once I find it. See, you know, if I was all intellectual, I could give you chapter and verse and just spit it right off. And sometimes I can. I just know which side of the page it's on in my Bible. I'm familiar with it because I've read it and pondered it and pondered and read it. And I've always asked God, what does that mean? Why is that in there like that? They said, this is the discretion and the grace of God. This is the wisdom of the Lord. And it's found in Isaiah's gospel. And it's found <laughs> in one of these chapters in the Old Testament. That's okay, you can laugh. Throw me a bone. You already know where it's at. Tell me where it's at or, or send me a text while I'm looking for it. In Yeah, thank you Sister Lynn. Told you I need your help. 28, 25. This is the discretion of the Lord. The Lord does teach us. He does, ah, bingo, we have a winner. And to Sister Minister Lynn Wilson, she gets a year's supply of Colgate. And, and uh, for her bright and shining teeth, she has won the consolation prize. We couldn't have done it without her. But listen, 
Starting at verse 23, listen to the wisdom of the parable of the seed, the sower in the soil. You can't live your fullest life in one-fourth of the good ground of your heart. But once that one-fourth begins to produce good fruit, it motivates you to deal with the other three-fourths that formerly did not produce. I hope you hear me. Give ye ear and hear my voice. Isaiah 28 verse 23. And hear my speech. Doth the plowman plow all day to sow? Doth he open and break the clods of his ground? Question, question. Does he just plow just to sow? Well, he is plowing to sow. That's a yes. And uh, does he break the clods of his ground? That's also a yes. When he hath made plain the face thereof, doth he not go abroad and cast abroad the fitches and scatter the coming the, the, where, where the uh, uh, thorns and thistles have occupied and stolen the ground and overtaken it? Does he not throw all that stuff out? Does he not clear the land so he can have more farmland? The answer is yes. Because if God could do that good with a fourth of my heart, Imagine what He could do with half of my heart. Imagine what He could do with three-fourths of my heart. Oh my. Oh my, 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 my. And as He changes the way I walk, I'm not wearing down that one part of my life anymore, and I can now dig that up. I can till that. I can diss that. And the place that never brought forth fruit can now become one of the most fruitful places in my soul. Glory to God. I, I, mm, hmm. This is better than Campbell's soup. I'll tell you right now. My soul's going, mm hmm. Amen. Praise God. Where he hath made plain the face thereof, doth he not cast abroad the fitches and scatter the coming? And then go get the good stuff. Go get the good seed. Now that we got this land all cleared out, we've seen what He could do in the good ground. Now that we've turned this into good ground by prayer and by seeking God and by asking and by, by not hiding anymore, by, by not covering uh, the, the suffering and the work that's necessary to labor in the good ground of my heart, not living the neurosis and the effect of the soul that doesn't understand its suffering. I found my meaning. I found my meaning and it's to be fruitful. The best testimony of any Christian on the face of the earth is to be a fruitful Christian and then to show the virtues of God. And then if the gifts of the Spirit want to move, so be it. So be it. But let it come from good fruit in real virtue, which is manifesting the redemption of God. Because I know my Redeemer liveth. There was one root that God had to get out of Job, and there's been several roots He's had to get out of me. But He couldn't do it without me, or without my permission, or without my willingness, because I was developing my faith muscles, learning how to overcome. Now I know that now it can be done. Amen. Listen to this. I hope you're loving this. This is inspired. This comes straight off the tongue of the Holy Ghost. I hope you're hearing me. Something deeper than tongues. Diane, did you get my little note, my, my text? Praise God, Judith, Diane. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You got to write Jacob a check. 
Let's go get the good stuff. Let's go get the good seed. This is what we've been wanting to grow. I didn't want just corn in my field. I wanted some other things. These are the things where Jesus said you should have tithed. You should have tithed on these other uh, uh, crops. But I've been wanting some, uh, uh, some principle. Uh, uh, I, 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 I wanted this other barley. And I wanted the rye. And I wanted to put them in their place. And I wanted to have a farm that grows a little bit of everything. Uh, just a variety of the grace of God. A variety of the fruits of the Spirit. Not just one fruit, but a whole variety. A cornucopia. A horn of plenty. A time of thanksgiving. I like it. Go get the good seed. For his God doth instruct him to discretion and doth teach him. For the fitches are not threshed with a threshing instrument, neither is a cartwheel turned about the coming, but the fitches are beaten out with a staff. There's more than one method to get the, the harvest in. There's more than one method of learning God. There's more than one method of clearing out the soul. There's more than one obstacle that you've got to learn and become dexterous in the spirit and in the revelation of God with dealing uh, of bringing the soul back to life and getting the thorny ground cleared off. That's one thing. Getting the stony ground cleared out. That's another thing with the hammer of the Word and the wayside ground where I don't trample on that anymore because I've learned to walk in a new way. And I don't beat the ground down so that it won't produce. I've now tilled that ground and it's producing as well. Blessed be the Lord. This is the acting properly. This means you must be instructed by God because your God doth teach you to discretion how to deal with this. Lord, how can I get the rest of me producing good fruit? Amen. A staff and the coming with a rod. Bread corn is bruised because he will not ever be threshing it nor breaking it with the wheel of his cart nor bruise it with his horse. This also cometh forth of the Lord of hosts who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in working. You see, your faith will work. You show me your faith without your work, and I'll show you that God took the substance of my faith and gave me discretion and taught me how to work. And there's not just one method. I've learned all the methods of God to open up the territories of my soul, to open up these other three areas of my heart where God wanted to grow the kingdom of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God, and the grace of God. Now, yeah, there were thorns and thistles, and we had to deal with those. But we learned how to get the root out. We learned how to clear off the land. And we learned how to take the hammer of His Word and break those stony places and grind them into powder, which would give the land better irrigation. Now, because we've learned to walk a new walk, we're not treading down the old paths of sin that could never bring forth fruit because it was so impacted by our presence and by our traveling there. Because now we walk in the light as He is in the light and now His light is showing me where I should take every single step because He said, Whoso walks ought to walk even as He walked. Peter said He's left us a pattern that we should follow in 
His steps. Praise God. So the rest of my heart's open territory. And I've been under the discretion of my God. And I'm not just living in the good ground of my heart. I've also cleaned out the thorns and the thistles of my heart through prayer. I had to go face it. I had to voluntarily go in there and say, we are going to clean that out of here. God wants this ground, and I do too. I want it to be used for God. I am not going to just let that be overgrown the rest of my life. I'm motivated now. And I found out that His Word is like a mighty hammer, and the stony places of my heart can break these rocks to pieces. And because now I walk in the light as He is in the light, I don't have to tread and travel in the same paths of iniquity and transgression and sin. I'm walking with the Lord. And now the place that was unproductive is very productive. Now my whole heart is open. But I could be a hundredfold Christian. The whole farm is being used for God. And we've got all types of things growing. We've got revelation growing. We've got mercy growing. We've got peace growing. We've got faith growing. We've got all the qualities of the kingdom of heaven. All the produce of the fruit of God which is coming out. The cornucopia of that apparently God has given us discretion. God has been our teacher. God showed us how to do it. God said, weren't you motivated, Kevin, when you found that one-fourth of your heart brought forth that good of fruit? What if the rest of you? Why don't you go to work on the rest of you? It can be done, but we've got to become uh, uh, zealous concerning the things of God. We've got to take the zeal of God and get motivated to go work in our hearts and to have our soul come back to life. The soul that's been buried in the death of hoarding the pains of the past and the defilements of the past and the distresses of the past and the molestation of the past and, and the, and the uh, abuses of the past and needs not being met of the past thinking that's the way it's always going to be. No, those days are over, my loved one. Oh, beloved, hear me today. Those days are over. Because the Bible said, Arise, shine, for thy light is come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For it is your God that has given you discretion to deal with the other three-fourths of your heart that lies waste. And God said, it's not going to stay that way anymore. Now that you see what this good ground can do, let's get everything else into the good ground as well. And God will give you the discretion and He'll show you how to do it. You see, we need to be zealous for the things of God. Turn with me now to Titus 2. Isn't God good? And oh dear Israel, we're going to have to change the name of this sermon because I did not do what I said I was going to do. I started that way, I did. In the book of Titus, right before Hebrews, we got, we got Phil Lemon, no, we got Philemon, Scott from South Gaston, he called him Phil Lemon. I said, well, no, it's Philemon. I love him. He said, I'm going to teach on Phil Lemon. 
I was like, oh my, Philemon, Philemon. He thought he was talking in Latin. I said, no, that's a Greek name, but nevertheless, I digress. Titus. <laughs> ah, I love it. What are we doing right now? Since the grace of God has appeared, verse 13, we're looking for that blessed hope, the God that gives us to discretion, the God that does instruct us, teach us, correct us, reprove us, lead us and guide us in the discreet thing to do. This is what's discretion. For his Lord, his God, to teach him to... doth instruct him to, to discretion and doth teach him. That's my God. That's what my God has done for me. He's taught me with the mind of Christ. Amen. If you keep having a place in the Bible and something inside of you keeps wanting to know, keeps wanting to know, keeps wanting to know, keep knocking. Go back and read it again. Keep knocking. It'll be open one day. Keep seeking. You'll find. Keep asking. He'll answer and keep knocking. That's what happened tonight. I can't tell you how many times I knew there was more to this Isaiah 28, 23 to 29 passage. I knew there was a revelation in it. I've even asked others if they had any insight on it. No. No. Well, it was between me and God. I kept knocking. I knocked and kept on knocking. I was seeking and I kept on seeking. I was asking and I kept on asking. Well, I knocked and the door was open. I was seeking and now I found. And I was asking and now it's answered. It has everything to do with the sermon of the seed, the sower, and the soil. Because our God doth instruct us to discretion and doth teach us how to handle things and how to become fruitful and multiply. Amen. Titus said that we're looking for, looking for, looking for, looking for. How do you want me to do it, Lord? How do you want me to go? How do you want me to... How can I break those big old stones? Every time for joy, I shout with joy, and then what I thought I had didn't take any root because of the stony place. The sun comes out, and then everything gets burnt down. How do I get there? How do I break up those rocks? And he says, well, here's a big hammer. Start swinging. Because my word is like a mighty hammer out of Jeremiah 23. I hope you hear me today. You got an old stony, wrong attitude that needs to be broke? I need to be broken. So I fell on the Word and I was broken to pieces. Because I feared Him more, lest He fall on me and grind me to powder and there's nothing left. And I go back to the dust that I was taken from. But I said, God, let me fall on the Word. I remember at an early age praying in the altar, On Sunday nights, I'd go an hour early just to pray at church and I would put my Bible on the little makeshift altar in the little old millhouse church we were in. And I would would literally take my body and, and just drop my chest on the Bible and say, God, break me to pieces. Break me to pieces. Break away my hard attitudes. Break away all that's wrong in me. Break away my misunderstanding. Break away my own leadership. Break away my wrong thinking. Help me to stop leaning to my own understanding. God, let me cease from my wisdom. I acknowledge you. Teach me, Lord, because I need learning. Teach me, Lord, because I'm unlearned. 
Give me the ear of the learned. And thus God said, I'm also going to give you the tongue. Because what follows the ear of the learned is the tongue of the learned. It's necessarily so. Don't doubt in the dark what God's told you in the light. Don't doubt in the darkness of yourself, in the depth of your soul, what God told you in the light of revelation to inspire you and encourage you to go on. Looking for, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for God. You get that going for Him? Thank you, darling. There she is. She didn't want to get on the camera, but it's okay. She's prettier on the camera than I am, I'll tell you that. She's better to look at than I am. Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And that's when I said, Whoa, man! <laughs> oh, holy. And the glorious appearing. Now, do you want to see God appear in some of these other areas of your life? I do. I got some darkness that I'd like to see God appear. <coughs> I got some things that I still would like God to work out. And I'd like to say, God, let's me and you go into this dark area of my soul. This thing that plagues me. This thorn in my flesh, if you want to call it that. Give me a revelation or give me an answer. I would like for you to appear and redeem this time. Because that always puts me down. I always wind up thinking badly of me. And I think wrongly of you. When I think badly of me, I think wrongly of you. And I shouldn't think badly of me. And it doesn't help when I think wrongly of you that you're not a present help in the time of trouble. That you're not a present help in the time of need. When I presently needed you, you didn't show up. And it's caused me to think wrongly of me. It's caused me to think badly of me and wrongly of you. And that's not, that's not congruent. No wonder you have the neuroses of not being satisfied because your soul has yet to be recovered. And that is your redemption. That is your salvation. That's why you got born again by grace and received the Holy Ghost by promise. The last part of it is entirely up to you to surrender to God. Will you go work in your own field? Or will you say it's all a throwaway? Will you let Him in one-fourth of your heart and leave the other three-quarters of all the good land undone because you've not learned the instruction and the discretion and the teaching and the reproof and the leadership of the Holy Spirit? And the glorious appearing, God appear in my darkness, of the great God, and yes, He's still a Savior, and our Savior Jesus Christ, and find out that He gave Himself for us Titus 2, 13, 14, 15. That He gave Himself for us and it's His pleasure to work in us. That He might redeem us from all iniquity, past, present, future. Everything that's hidden away in your soul. And it's amazing what people will do to not deal with their soul. And that's the very reason God came to save your soul. Redeem us from all iniquity, and then purify unto Himself. Move all the thorns and the thistles out. Move all the stony, rock-hard attitudes out. Get us off of the wayside ground and the familiar travel of sin and self-doubt and self-criticism and self-condemnation that does not liberate. It oppresses you. 
and then you in turn suppress instead of bring out and get delivered. See, neurosis covers the right suffering of a soul in its becoming. God wants you to become pure even as He is pure. See, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when we shall see Him, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that has this hope in Him purifieth himself because the one they're looking at is pure. Listen to this. That He might redeem us from all iniquity, purify unto Himself a peculiar. And yes, Oh boy, careful, incoming. Uh, This is where confession is good for the soul. Some of you are weird, but God loves you. And I'll be the first one in line. I'm a peculiar, I'm a different bird, I'm a weird bird, I'm an odd bird, but I'm a bird that God loves. I'm, I'm I'm not your average son, but yet I am. I am what you are and you are what I am. I'm unique. I'm peculiar. I've got ways. I know nobody else does. And all of my ways haven't been great. I'm willing to admit I'm wrong. I want to be a man after God's own heart. And the more I look at me, the more I need to be a man after God's own heart because I need need His heart to change mine. Where right and wrong are decided upon and then I send it up the elevator to the mind to make sense of it and to make reason of it. And reason is nothing but intellect being exercised to make sense of what your heart's telling you to do. When you have the right and wrong and the conviction of the heart and it sends it upstairs to the mind... So it can affect the rest of the will and the emotions and then manifest by behavior from the belief that's in your heart. You find God says, come let's reason together. And reason is nothing more than the exercise of your intellect to make sense out of the path that God wants you to take. And I'm here to tell you, you're unique. So if the path that's set before you is clear, you're living somebody else's path because I never know from day to day exactly where I'm going. I just know who I'm going with. I can't always see my path in front of me. I've got to learn as I go. I've got to go and then bring forth fruit. Everyone else says bring forth fruit and then go. No, that's not what it says. If you can see the path of life that's before you, you're on somebody else's path. And God wants you to be an original, not a copy. God wants you to be the genuine article to prove that He made you and there's not another firstborn son like you. Oh, there have been others that had your first name or whatever. But there's never been a firstborn son like you. Because you are the genuine article, the work of God, the manifestation of His miracle, the mosaic of what the Father had in mind. And you're so unique and so peculiar. I mean, I know that's true. A lot of my friends are highly peculiar. Careful now. I can't mention no names, right? 
No names, no names. Scott says no names. Praise God, no names. But they are peculiar. Watch it. Purifying unto himself a peculiar people. Why? Because, beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Therefore the world knows us not, because the world knew him not. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Every time Jesus appears to me, it's a greater opportunity to me to become more of what He created me to be. Every time He appears to me, like tonight, every time He appears to me with instruction and discretion, He's given me the opportunity to become more of the me that He originally designed me to be And therefore, when I see Him, I become more pure because the one I'm really looking at is pure Himself. And I have this hope, this hope that I am being born again on a continual basis. Every time an idea bursts forth in life, I'm being born again. Not a corruptible seed, not from Ken and Irma. No, that's just a body. This is going to pass away. But my sonship that came from God by an incorruptible seed by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. I'm not returning back into the seed of natural. I'm talking about the seed of eternal, the essence of the Spirit of God. See, my new birth is an ongoing experience. Every time a word is made real to me, like tonight, we put it in... When God lets us put it in place. Amen to God. Yes. He purifies unto Himself. And we've got this hope in us. And while this hope is in us, it purifies us with an eternal hope. And I'm still hoping. And by this hope, I continue to get saved. That's why it pleases God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. I'm still being saved. I'm still being born again. I still have this hope in me. And I'm still being made pure. The work is ongoing. And I've become confident that if God would do it in me, the same God would do it in you. Being confident of this very thing. See, confidence that's matured is not just confidence for me. But if He'd do it for me, that lets me know He'd do it for you. The same God that is perfecting me is also more than willing to do it for you. And the evidence of my own perfection is the evidence of your perfection. And purify unto Himself a peculiar people, sons and daughters, individuals of salvation, whether it be no male or female, just His people. And we have become zealous of good work. And I'm telling you, it's a good work to clean up the rest of your fields. Now that you know what He can do in the good ground, get to work on those thorns and thistles. Stop letting those thorns and hedges and thistles of the past rob you of your growth in God. Why remain unfruitful? You don't want to become unfruitful. God doesn't want you to live in the salvation of one-fourth 
of who you really are. He wants you to learn from that one-fourth how to deal with the other three-fourths and get the rest of your fields and the rest of your soul and the rest of your past, present, and future producing. Amen, Brother Keller. Zealous, 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 and more zealous. Look at this, zealous of good works. Mm, A peculiar people. That's what he wanted to do all the way back in Exodus on Mount Sinai. But they said, no God, no, 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 no. We don't want an encounter with you. I know you got Moses up there showing us what it looks like and lives like, walks like and talks like. But no, 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 you let Moses talk to us, not you. Therefore, we see that organized religion, its main function is to protect you against a direct experience with God. But too little, too late. Too little, too late. Isn't that what happened to you, Pastor Scott? You had a direct experience with God? I come here welcoming more direct experiences with God. That's why we don't have a form of godliness to replace God or to ceremony God or to traditionalize God. We want to have a service that invites the direct connection and experience of God. We welcome Him here. We don't want to go through a form without power. We we want to worship Him and invite the power, invite the connection. Because if I'm doing my job right, I'm preaching myself out of a job because the captain that lives in your heart does a far better job than I ever would. He's the captain of the ship. I'm just his first mate. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe a little further down. Maybe maybe I work in the belly of the ship. Uh, I work with the barrels and things. But, I mean, I'm on the ship now. Don't don't kick me off the ship. Uh, you, You can't make me walk the plank. I'm sticking with the ship. But Jesus is the captain of our salvation. Amen. And He's the governor of our government. That's right. Mm -hmm. Amen. He's the one guiding the rudder. Right? Mm -hmm. That's right. Let no man despise thee. Let no man despise me. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. It's true. It's true because it's true. Let no man despise thee. Let no man despise thee. And people will despise you when you're not just like them. But those that were clean or certain of who they were called to be escape from them who live in error. There is an escape, and the escape is becoming a copy of someone else which is not true to who you are. Those that were clean, the Bible says, Peter said, those that were clean or certain that God... God really wants me to be Kevin. He didn't want me to be you or anyone else. He wants me to be Kevin, the Son of God. And I can't always tell you what my path is because I'm not on somebody else's path. I'm cutting my way as I go. Jesus is here with me. And if you can see your path clearly, it's probably pretty easy to say you've already given up and settled for being a copycat. You're on somebody else's path. But for me, I've got to find my way with Jesus. He and I are navigating through life. He and I are living and, you know, I can just say I'm going into the new day 
and we'll see what comes in the day. He told me not to take thought for tomorrow. He said, there'll be plenty of evil over there tomorrow. He said, walk thou with me. Just walk with me. I want you to know He loves you tonight. I want you to know I love you tonight. I'm thankful for this wonderful grace that has come out of my heart to you. We want to continue to pray for those that are sick and ask their healing because He healeth all of your sicknesses and all of thy diseases. He gives the children's bread healing and deliverance in Jesus' name. For the Presley family, for AJ, for Michelle, for Aaron, for Rick Eggers, for Butch Walters, for Sherry, for my feet. <laughs> oh my goodness. We love you. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.